business as a mission is something that it's 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 good everywhere in the world, but mm-hmm. it's not meant to replace traditional missionaries. And uh, I I look at the the professional missionary as uh, kind of like a pastor or an apostle, a uh, leader. Uh, we need them. Welcome to BAM Perspectives, a conversation about different business as mission perspectives to help build and challenge yours. As BAM Canada, we believe in kingdom impact through profitable and sustainable business using a quadruple bottom line approach. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Over to our host, BAM Canada co-founder, Carrie Ann Ballantyne. Welcome back, Larry. We are so glad to have you join us today. Thanks, Carrie Ann. Good to be with you again. Yeah, and I we you have you back for a very special reason. You've just finished, have my Vanna White moment here for those seeing it on video, um, this great book called Missions Disrupted. Um, so I'm really excited to hear just more about the book, more about what's in it, honestly, full of gold. Um, and I'm really excited for us to just unpack a bit about what is in it and why you wrote it and all the fun different pieces of that. So let's jump in, Larry. Um, I would love for you to share why you decided to write this book, who you had in mind while you were writing it. The the subtitle kind of gives it away too. It says from professional missionaries to missional professionals. So I'd love for you to share more about what brought this on. Sure. Happy to do that. I, you're just like my editor, who's always forcing me to think about who this is, who's going to read this. And uh, so uh, I'm, uh, I've done a little bit of thought about that. Uh, I actually, uh, two years ago, I wrote a book and it was published by the same uh, publisher called The Greatest Missionary Generation. And I really meant it. I, 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 I observed that generation uh, post-World War II. A lot of Canadians went out from the Bible schools in Canada during the 50s and 60s. And I, and I really grew to appreciate them. And there are lots of reasons why I wanted to support that. It's the greatest missionary generation. But uh, because I've stuck around so long, <laughs> uh, I've, I've really had a sensitivity to change and mm-hmm. uh, how the world is so different today. There are several reasons why I might uh, consider that. Uh, things are so so different that it's there's more than just a few things. It's an actual paradigm. For example, uh, two thirds of the world's population today live in countries where you cannot get a religious workers visa. In other mm-hmm. words, a missionary visa. Uh, and um, you know, I, I tell people that in 1972, I went into the consulate, the Brazilian consulate on the east coast and i said uh, oh i want a visa for brazil and they said well what are you going to do there and i said well i'm with a mission agency uh in mississauga and uh and and they said well uh, how, how long do you want to be there i said well i don't know as long as i can and they gave me a visa that same afternoon and i stayed 21 years wow <laughs> no that, that will never happen again anywhere yeah. in the world it's simply over and, mm. and so some people get, they kind of withdraw and say, well, you know, I don't know what God's up to, or well, I guess I'll keep keep going to an open country. But uh, I think God is not done with the world. And, and yeah. God has, he wants us to change our behaviors and our, our actions. And uh, some other things is the cost effectiveness of reaching the unreached. And, yeah. uh, you know, people don't support missionaries like they used to. And, and, you know, it's $150,000 to support a, a missionary in Europe today. 
and it's it's just a lot of money all all over the place and then there's that yeah. risk of people leaving and so on and so the cost effectiveness has has uh risen and uh, the business mission has an answer to that i think so a lot of it is theological as well and so i wrote the book with the idea that the the the, the millennial generation and generation z i don't want them to follow the missionary track that i did i mm-hmm. i want them instead to, to, to look at how God has wired them and how God has blessed them uh, with their heritage, wherever it is, U.S., Canada, Great Britain, you know, so on, and, and and take that as they get coaching and counseling along their, their, their pathway in college and high school and so on, and, and see how God has wired them and use that for missional purposes. Yeah. And as they do that in the homeland where they grow up, it's an easy transition, not easy, but it's just a, a simple transition to take that skill and that ability to the ends of the earth. And uh, so I, I, I kind of use two concepts uh, as foundation for 27 stories. Uh, part of the reason was that I I'd spent so many, I'd say 10 years or so going to various churches and doing weekend seminars or evening seminars. And so many pastors said, yeah, we're glad to have you come. It's nice to hear all this, but uh, it's, a, it's a passing fad, a mission, business as mission. And mm-hmm. so I, I wanted to address that because I believe the 21st century, in terms of God's heart for the world, will be more like the first century than it will the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And and I want my grandkids' generation to, to see that they it's okay to go off to business school. It's okay to become an architect. It's okay to be in, involved in IT or music or anything else and then become good at that and use it for his glory. And so yeah. the two concepts I, I wanted to base it in were Monsieur Day, which is a, a theological thing, which is different than what I grew up with. And I mean, I went to Bible school in Canada and I thought I was prepared and the mission agency thought I was and off I went. But it, I, I didn't look at the world the way the, the biblical Monsieur Day world looks at the world. I wanted to explore that as a basis that it's God is on mission. It's not so Mm -hmm. much us. And we we can unpack that later if you like. And then the other thing was the business theory. So I have theology and theory uh, of disruptive innovation. And I think that uh, the whole mission industry, as we might call it, is being disrupted today. And uh, churches don't get it and mission agencies don't get it. And some are, and that's encouraging. But um, the, the, the end for me is that I hope the reader reads stories of God at work through his people who are business people. And there's a few stories in there that aren't business, but they're another profession. And, and, and they're reaching the world in amazing ways. And they're yeah. there because of a calling of God. And they're there because missionaries can't be there. And, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, when I grew up, uh, the, I remember as a little kid praying for missionaries in Yemen and, and, and Morocco, for example, and Indonesia and the, all these places. You can't, you can't go near that place with a 10-foot pole anymore yeah, for, as a missionary. But, but I've worked with two engineers in Yemen. And I, and I work with some people in, in North Korea today who are serving. Mm-hmm. Because they, ha- they create value for a government agency or they create value that the government gives them a business visa to be there. And they do that then in a missional way. So that's kind yeah. of a long answer to that question. No, that's a great answer. Honestly, I... Um, I think you're one of the people that I think holds the tension best between like what has happened in the mission space 
has um, been what's needed to happen at that time. And what's gotten us here is not going to get us to the next phase of what mm -hmm. God has in mind for the world. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But you hold this tension of honor the past and also push to the future um, really mm -hmm. well. And your book does an incredible job of even outlining that or with um, the just even the the different concepts that you unpack between Missio Day and um, disruptive innovation. Um, so yeah, I, I think for anyone listening, it's just a really good way to kind of hold those tensions. But um, I would love for you to speak to a little bit more about um, the professional missionaries to missional professionals. I was speaking with someone actually just this morning um, that was saying, hey, I was a professional missionary and I'm trying to figure out this whole missional professional space as I move into that. Um, uh, what What is the biggest maybe hope that you see um, for the the greater church as people hold on to this and get a hold of what that can look like in that transition? Well, you know, well, one of the uh, mistakes uh, I made as I was uh, a leader in a mission uh, that had about 350 missionaries, most of whom were focused on church planting, uh, one of the things we failed to do was, it was to make sure that those people were valued. And that, mm -hmm. that the, the, the traditional, to use that word, maybe to, the traditional missionary approach of going into a place to evangelize and plant churches, that, that's, that's still valid. And, and mm -hmm. it wasn't. And, and so we made the mistake. I remember taking a trip all across Europe with the two other guys, and, and we were trying to remind people that God still wanted them planting a church in Milan, Italy, or, or Lyon, France, or wherever. And that was good, and we valued that. Uh, but but uh, but when we brought the business as mission idea into the agency, we wanted to, it, it was because I had more than one experience like this. Uh, somebody comes back from from China uh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and tells us that they were losing their visa a year before that. And they sat down and prayed and they said, hey, I have business experience. Let's start a business. And mm -hmm. they did. It became very successful. But what they came back and they said this, uh, if I'd only had some help, if I'd only had my mission to understood this, I could mm -hmm. have saved a couple of years of my life. Mm -hmm. And and uh, so business as mission is something that it's 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 good everywhere in the world, mm -hmm. but it's not meant to replace uh, traditional missionaries. And uh, I, I look at the, the professional missionary as uh, kind of like a, a pastor or an apostle uh, leader. Uh, we need them. And mm -hmm. uh, I often use the chapter eight of Acts where, where after Stephen had been stoned, the, the, the Christians were fleeing from Jerusalem because of persecution. And uh, it says that, uh, that they just left Jerusalem. And then, then it has, has a strange verse right there. And it says the all the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I was conditioned to believe that the, the, the big wheels of the early church, like Peter and Paul and so on, they led the charge abroad. And uh, no, they came in later. Uh, the, the, they stayed, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem because that was the, they were the leaders of the church. We needed them there. We needed to know, uh, hear from them. Uh, yeah. They needed to, the, the support. But the everyday believer went mm. to Crete, all up the eastern seaboard of Mediterranean, all over Thessalonica by the time you get to chapter 17 of mm -hmm. Acts, and they spoke of Jesus everywhere they went. 
And, yeah. and that's how the gospel spread. And guess what? They'd not been to Bible school. Mm. They'd not uh, had, uh, they didn't have the first Baptist church supporting them with money. They didn't yeah. have a whole bunch of people praying and there was no communication back and forth. And guess mm. what? They didn't even have a Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and the church grew to, to what we know from as we entered the second century. And, mm. and uh, I think that the, the whole question of the importance of uh, church planning missionaries should be, should be valued and hallowed and, and appreciated where, where it's possible. But you mm. cannot simply go uh, into, into Vietnam today and mm. get a visa to plant a church. It's not going to yeah. happen. But guess yeah, and what? I love, I love that holistic perspective because it's not, it's, uh, it's, um, Dr. Paul Stevens has this really interesting um, framework. I'm sure you've um, seen it where he talks about the hierarchy of occupation. Um, mm -hmm. where um, it's actually the Missio Dei aspect, even what you're talking about there, it's to include the whole body and it's not to, to then swing from one end of the spectrum to the other, but it's actually to bring about more inclusion in the mission of God. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th there's a lot of things that I, I really would like to see destroyed in the church. One is the spiritual hierarchy thing. Mm -hmm. where the pastor missionaries at the top and and you get down to the bottom and the business people and under them is the lawyers no that's a joke <laughs> but, but 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 you know what i mean the spiritual and the other yeah. is the spiritual sacred dichotomy it mm -hmm. is that we have made uh spiritual things a church thing in the family probably but uh, it doesn't affect all of our life and that yeah. we need to we need to pursue the integration of faith and work and, and for me, one of the uh, tough things has been uh, when I talk to students, I, I, I say this. And it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but I, I say the great commandment of Jesus to love him, love, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's as equally important as the great commission. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. some people say, well, I've gotten off the rails. Well, maybe I have. <laughs> and I'm not sure that that would stand up in heaven. But but mm -hmm. but I, I, I sort of like believe that. that and, and how are people going to hear about Jesus if we don't have access to them, if we don't have relationships with them, if we don't love them? And so mm -hmm. we have to ask ourselves, what does love like, look like? Where yeah. there's amazing, amazing persecution, where there's injustices, where mm -hmm. there is poverty, unemployment. I work in one country, 60% unemployment. Well, yeah, well. That, that's that's a recipe for disaster. What would Jesus do? Mm -hmm. And we believe in the BAM movement that Jesus would come in and provide jobs. That's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. No, I love your focus um, throughout your book and also just throughout all that you do on that job creation piece. Um, and I love the stories in the book. For those that don't know, there's 27 stories in this book that go through different businesses. And like you even said, not all traditional business, but some uh, like in law or in medicine, different um, industries or whatnot there. Um, but they the before the 27 stories you talk about, and you mentioned this earlier, the Missio Dei and the theory of uh, disruptive innovation. Um, would you be able to just share even a little bit more, give even more context and how those relate to um, a, a story of God at work through business? Um, well, the, yeah, the, the idea of the Missio Dei is, is that God is on a mission and, and, and it's, it's not the church's responsibility. The church is the instrument of God's mission. Mm, and, yeah. and so the, that holistic transformation idea 
uh, it really supports everybody in the church being involved and, and uh, every believer being involved and, and participating in that. And so, you know, for me, the, where I spend my time is that, that most people in any level of business have something to contribute from their experience. And they can become a subject matter expert or a coach or a consultant or, or just, a sh I, I, I remember one time uh, somebody in uh, in China, actually, uh, this is about five years ago, uh, got a hold of me and said, I've got a broken machine and I don't know what to do. The thing's been imported. There's nobody around here that can fix it and I'm dependent on it. And I, I called the mechanical engineer that I'd met a few weeks before. And I said, would you mind getting on, on Zoom with him and mm -hmm. uh, and see what could happen? And about a month later, I got the me a message back that three Zoom calls later, uh, I took three Zoom calls and this engineer had it fixed. Now this engineer wow. never left his, his home and never missed a beat with his family. He didn't go on a trip somewhere, but but he was able to be a part. And, yeah. and, uh, and that's just one example is, is lots of things we can do by investing, by, mm -hmm. by connecting with uh, prayer chains for businesses and things like that. And so that all comes out of the Missio Day. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to depend or, or look to the, the, the support and, and the, the preparation and all that for a professional missionary. Now, that brings up questions, of course, and uh, they need to uh, demand some answers. But so with that background and with with my belief that uh, Clayton Christensen, who developed the, the disruptive innovation idea, is on the right track mm -hmm. and uh, in, in saying that things don't come to pass through a top down approach or through the middle of the of the of the of the normal curve that they start with the early adapters and yeah. they start at the bottom of the market and as you take that of application which is applied from the 1950s on the first sony radios and the computers and uh, automobiles and everything else you take that 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 theory and place it in the mission industry then mm -hmm. the, the which I I tend to do in the book and, and in real life that what is going to happen is that God's people at the bottom of the spiritual market the spiritual uh, pyramid that the mm -hmm. people on the, uh, the early the early adapters adopters are going to be people in the marketplace they're mm -hmm. not going to be the pastors they're not going to be the missions committee they're not going to be thankfully in Canada we have a few colleges that are starting to teach this these things. But basically, they're slow. Uh, but the early adopters are people who say, "Go on a trip." Like I don't believe I believe every nobody should go on a mission trip unless it uses a skill they have. Mm -hmm. and, and when they do that, the, and they contribute to some business startup or something, the, uh, they come back so excited, and and mm -hmm. they they say, "Let's let's do. How can I connect with this on a long term basis?" And, yeah. and so so that then becomes the foundation for um, the stories of how God has worked for in the last 20 years or so, and even in all of history, but I just pick some that we know we're able to observe today. But yeah. it's based on uh, those two things, that businesses or change comes from bottom up, and God is on a mission, and we're to join him in that mission. Mm -hmm. so I, I, and I love, to... I love the one quote even that you had in there, 
I'm forgetting who it's by, um, but where it's not a critical mass, but a critical yeast of something being able to grow and exponentially um, see it take shape and, and it's a life of its own as it continues yeah, yeah, to right. impact culture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was Tom Bassard. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I love quotes and, and there's a lot of quotes that really do support what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, you know, about a year before Billy Graham died, he said, uh, the great work of God in the 21st century will be through every the everyday Christian in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, th- those kinds of things uh, really give support to to those who have got this vision to go overseas. So there still is the the, the, the missionary aspect of leaving your home and working cross-culturally, well, first of all, you, you need to do it at homeland. And, and mm-hmm. so I support every attempt to, to have a, an integrated faith work um, business in this country yeah. so that uh, we, we can see how it works and how we can bring our faith to, to the marketplace. But, but then it's uh, the step to go overseas is what, uh, what is kind of the unreached people focus. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so in, in the book, I took s- several criteria for t- these 27 stories. Well, one was that they, they were post-revenue and they had, were profitable and there was no foreign money anymore. Okay. Uh, the, the second criteria was that uh, they were uh, creating jobs because that's mm-hmm. what Jesus would do. Uh, yeah. The third criteria is that in some way they touched the disciple-making sector. They were either low-key, living out the gospel, waiting for an opportunity to share, or they were more proactive if they were able to, uh, depending on the security issues. And, and so that was, that was somewhere in, in their thing. And then they were also, um, they were also uh, respective of God's creation, the, the creation care the, yeah. of uh, the, the BAM sector. So um, mm-hmm. with those in mind, I found these found these twenty seven stories, and they're, they're they're representative of others, of course. But uh, mm-hmm. it was fun to be able to uh, to visit a lot of them and uh, to at least talk to the to the founder and the managers of those places. Yeah, and stories are so powerful. That's even one of the biggest reasons we have these conversations, BAM Perspectives, um, is because that when someone can see an example of what does it look like to actually live this out, it almost maybe suggests a blueprint (laughs) or at least shows what it could look like for somebody to be able to be inspired for what that could be for their life. So um, I agree hundred percent. You need to be doing this at home first. If you add that language in there and you add a new context, it's only going to get harder. (laughs) So if you can't do it here, it's going to be hard to do it there. So continue to take steps here. But um, yeah, I love that, like that springboard perspective that you're giving in that sense. Um, I'd love to hear also just considering the growth of the BAM movement that you've been a part of um, in many places, but being a Canadian, also being involved here in Canada, um, do you have thoughts about where it might uh, grow the fastest here in Canada, um, where we can help bring this disruptive innovation, this uh, Missio Day concept, disrupt missions really in Canada? Well, I, 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 I because I... Uh, teach in, in colleges and stuff, I, I, I would love if it was the young people who brought this to the forefront. And that, to me, the, the whole message of, say, the book would be if young people would say, wow, I can be as spiritual, I can be as missional, and but yet I can still be a business person, or I can still be an accountant, 
and I can still be involved in, in with what's the passion of my of my, of my life. And, and so um, with that passion, they can then integrate their faith to the extent that they are missional, not missionary. And mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, to me, if, if it grew in the Bible colleges and the and the academy, uh, and even in, um, in in groups in the in the major universities uh, that are Christian groups that are kind of surrounding those universities or, or in the area, uh, yeah. I would love it. But but I suspect that it's probably going to grow more in churches that are, are influenced by, by this thinking. They've gone to conferences, and individuals are going to bring it out. They're going to be maybe marginalized at the beginning, or they're, they're going to have to fight the good fight to get people to understand this whole thing, bring in speakers. I, I was just in uh, in Birmingham, Alabama last week, where oh, uh, nice. they have a, an event called the Lion's Den. And, and the, the Lion's Den has been going for nine years. What it is is a, is a shark tank that uh, follows the, the idea of funding these business startups. And, and the guy who started it, his name is Chuck, he said, we knew nothing about this. We thought that the gospel was something that we, we share in church. And if I have the opportunity to bring somebody to church and bring him, but my work was different. They have totally revolutionized to become part of this whole band movement, integrating their faith in the marketplace and wow. trying to bring that to the overseas sector as well. So. Mm, I love that. And even um, piggybacking on that, one of the things uh, someone in the network, Bernard Tam, said um, before is even for church leaders or for um, business leaders in conversations with one another about what this could look like um, is what does it look like? Uh, what do the stories look like that we're sharing? Because the stories that we're sharing and championing from a maybe from a platform or from a stage are the ones that are going to get visibility and be replicated. So how are we including stories of um, missional professionals as opposed to professional missionaries, but also including both? It's not one or the other. I love how you say that. There is a place for both, um, but making sure that we're sharing both in all of that we're um, visualizing on a Sunday or visualizing in our week to week or in our small groups or in our um, whatever that looks like to be. Um, so I so I love that you, you shared those stories to make it so accessible for people to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to keep them short because, um, you know, some people don't really read too much. And uh, if you can, if there's a five page story in it, they can kind of do that before they drift off to sleep at night yeah. so, or whatever <laughs> other venue that while they're waiting for their kids soccer game to get over or whatever. So, yeah. you know, that's why I kind of did it that way, as opposed to say, tell the bigger story of a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I'm sure because of your experience with them, visiting them or speaking with them, you could probably talk for hours about their stories and the impacts they've had. But yeah, being able to distill that down. Um, I, and I would love to, in your book, your last chapter that you have here um, is where do we go from here? Uh, sometimes when you're reading books, I can feel at the end of, okay, what do I do with this knowledge now? I'm holding on to this and how do I outwork it? I love that you take some time to actually break that down. So um, would you be able to even in this moment here with people listening in, be able to share uh, what would your encouragement be relative to missional business? Um, and where do we go from here? Obviously, 
read the book, everybody, uh, you'll see even more and that'll all be clearer. But um, yeah, where do we go from here? Uh, well, I, I think probably the starting point uh, for a lot of people would be, um, I'm thinking of these the Lion's Den leaders in Birmingham. What they did, first of all, was read. And, and, and there's a lot of materials on the businessasmission.com website. There's yeah. a lot of resources there. Some of them are, are articles, some are stories, some are whole books. And uh, if people are interested in some of the theological issues, there's books for that. If, if some people are interested in just, well, how does it really work? There's books for that and so on. And so that would be the first stage. The, the second thing would be to be open to inviting someone to your church who wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily speak on the, from the platform, but have a, small, a group get together uh, yeah. to uh, unpack this and to process it with, um, with someone who's been there, done that, or is currently doing it, or is a spokesman for the BAM movement. That would, that would be the second thing. And then the, the third thing, and they aren't necessarily require this order, but I would encourage everybody to take a mission, tr a trip, but go to a business. And, and mm -hmm. I found uh, almost all of those those stories, I found the people very interested in having a visitor because they know mm -hmm. it gives them a profile. It gives yeah. them more prayer support. It gives them access to people who will help them. Uh, and so they're very interested in people coming. And, and some of those people go as interns, like if a, if a mm -hmm. young per person's business school, well, why shouldn't somebody say in a business school at U of A where, or University of Calgary, where I went, who has to do an internship? Why could, shouldn't they do that in a business, a real business in, uh, in Hanoi? Mm -hmm. I mean, or Nam Pan or, or some of these places, India. Uh, and it's a wonderful opportunity. So, so that, we as older people uh, in the um, church, we can encourage, we say, well, I'm, I'm ill, I'm 78 years old, I can't do this. Oh, no, no problem. But encourage young people and, and help them access these opportunities and send them on trips and uh, encourage internships in some of these businesses. And I, I think that is that kind of uh, grows in the mm -hmm. church. The church could have as a body of believers, uh, it's a real impact. But I, I do think that the process of where we go from here has to be uh, to, to flood the market with with things, uh, get pastors to to uh, read these things. But pastors don't always, you know, they got so much to do and so much on their plate nowadays. It's difficult for them to to read uh, or or. But but there's somebody to find a key person, yeah. uh, a, a person of influence or a, a a real type A get it done type person and in the church and bring it in and bring people to the to the to talk about it so there's a couple of ideas which, which aren't new at all but they uh, i've seen how that results in some real change yeah. yeah yeah and larry i would love to hear you have 27 different stories in your book um that unpack different aspects in different industries of people that are actually living this out could you share one of those with us to give us just a sneak peek Okay, that's uh, there's several that uh, I'd love to share, but here's one from uh, a couple in Australia, and, uh, and James was a uh, he he was a professional motocross driver, so I'm not sure how that works, but we didn't talk that much about that. But his wife was a, a publisher of a teen girls magazine in Sydney uh, that they were doing well for themselves, and she, she went on a trip 
with some friends of hers and uh, came across uh, the the uh, the whole traffic industry in Southeast Asia. And she came back home and said to James, uh, man, you know, we need to do something about this. And so they began to listen and pray and read and uh, visit. Uh, they went on another visit to Southeast Asia, both of them together. And they came back and said, we're going to take this to our church. And so they did. They took it to their church in Sydney. And they said, we're praying about serving God in uh, somewhere else in the world because uh, we want to be able to rescue through a job uh, the uh, people who have been uh, caught up in human slavery. And yeah. so there's a lot of people out there in the rescue side of it and in even restoration, but reintegration. In other words, 80 percent, they learn things like this, 80 percent of people who've been involved in, in the traffic industry uh, if they don't have a replacement job, they go back, they go back. They're yeah. almost forced back because the supply chain for uh, human slavery is poverty. And, and mm -hmm. so um, they learned all these things and decided to do a market study to understand what product they could go into, what they, what they could produce. A proof of concept was developed. They looked at supply chains and marketing for six years. Hmm. Now that's pretty long. Yeah. We encourage we, we encourage people to spend a year or two in planning what what it might be. But they took six years. But in, in the end, they started a factory called Outland Denim, and it's in about forty five minutes outside Phnom Penh in Cambodia. Wow. And um, when I visited there, they had about fifty women and three I think there were three guys that were making high end jeans. You won't be able to find these in Canada except in Toronto. And you, the U.S. is New York, and it's Paris, and it's London. It's these places where people are buying really quality stuff. And each pair of jeans is made, the whole, the whole um, process from the denim roll in the warehouse cleared to signing the little other thing on the back of the jean. That whole process is done by every woman individually. So, yeah. so the, the, the genius of that is that they learn every aspect of the of the fabrication process so so if they leave and go to another they have all kinds of skills uh, they were making these things and uh, i was qu quite impressed and th that uh, that they had discovered a market for something like this and they were doing fairly well um about a, a year after i left uh, the uh, uh, harry and megan the duchess of um mm, yeah. england they arrived in australia for a uh, royal visit this is before the separation and uh, they got off the plane and, you know, everybody always analyzes the royals' uh, clothing, especially the women. And, uh, and so they, they looked at uh, Megan and said, what kind of jeans are you wearing? And she was wearing jeans from Outland Denim because oh, she, wow. could she could afford these things. And she wanted, but she also wanted to make a statement about human trafficking. Well, mm. <clears throat> within a week, all Outland denim jeans of that variety were sold off all the places in the world where they were marketed. Wow. <laughs> and and uh, to make a long story short, uh, they had to, or they had to, because of demand, bring in, uh, last I talked to them, they were about 160 employees. So wow. they went from 50 to 160 very quickly, which, which was really a tough job because they do a lot of training and preparing mm -hmm. them for this kind of thing. And, and when you talk to James and Erica, they say we were, this was no big deal that they said. I mean, God blessed them. 
God gave them the profitability. Uh, God gave people tons of spiritual contacts and uh, mm -hmm. people who are studying the Bible and trying to understand the gospel, the gospel as opposed to their native religion. And they say it was just they were just obeying God mm -hmm. because God gave them the experience of getting to know this problem. And business is always solving a problem. Yeah. And they said we and then God just expressed impressed it upon them that they could be a. And, and so a lot of these businesses kind of start that way. And, mm -hmm. and they see a problem. God convicts their heart and says, well, go and check it out. And they yeah. watch the movie movie taken. And, you know, pretty, pretty soon they began to say, hey, we, we can help. And um, yeah. and because they, they had a business skill. So th that was an encouraging story to me uh, to see how, how that worked and, and what, how God was working through that. Yeah, and there's um, and on top of even the stories you have in here, um, just something you touched on there about even um, human trafficking and what does that look like for business. Um, one of the organizations that you're um, a part of is also the Freedom Business Alliance. So anyone that's hearing that and intrigued to learn more about what that looks like at that intersection, um, check it out. Um, just Google Freedom Business Alliance. They have lots of great information there, too. Yeah, that that would be uh, wonderful. I, actually, our our uh, she's an interim uh, director right now uh, is in Calgary, so she's Canadian and has experience with bi businesses serving this market in Indonesia. So we're real happy for for her. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that, and um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing, Larry. On um, well, thank you for the gift that you've given the world of your book. <laughs> Um, and thank you for um, just unpacking that a little bit today about that intersection of Missio Day. Uh, well, not even intersection, just holding both of those and layering them of disruptive innovation and how to be able to um, to, to to see our lives through that lens that God sees um, and to be able to look forward to the future of what God has called um, all of us to be a part of as we continue to live on mission um, in all that we do. So thank you so much, Larry. Thank you. Want to learn more about Canadian Businesses Mission? Check out our website at www.businessesmission.ca for free missional resources, our newsletter, and to join our virtual business community, the BAM Canada Network. We're here to gather and help you grow in your redemptive purpose. So why not check out our community? Your first month is on us.